Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Preach a message to you today that is really a one-off, and we're going to start a new series next weekend. Um, and I want to encourage you, if you have questions we didn't answer for, for asking for a friend, Believe me, we got plenty of questions, a ton of questions, and we're going to be circling back to that series. We had such a good response that we're going to be circling back to it again in 2020 on our calendar. Uh, so we'll be walking through some, some tough topics again. So I'll warn you. So if you want to skip church that series, you can. Um, but, uh, but I appreciate all your feedback and all your help with that. Today, I really just want to preach a message that, that really is from my heart. This is one that wasn't originally on our calendar when we planned the series out uh, back in October, but um, God's been dealing with my heart and with my wife's heart about some things, and, and we felt like, felt like this is a good opportunity for us to, to just walk through kind of where we're at with you so you can just see, hey, this is something for our church, not just for us, because uh, we really feel that way. But we're going to start today in Romans chapter 4. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 is where we'll begin. And if you have your Bible, you can turn there. If not, it'll be on the screens. But this is what it says. And Paul's writing to the Roman church, and he says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Verse 14 says that, that all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And what it's really saying is as, as mature believers, um, be, mature believers should be led by the Spirit of God. That if, if we are mature, we will listen for the voice of God and we'll follow the direction of God in our lives. Uh, immature believers, they, they may recognize the voice of God, but then they're still going to do their own thing. And that's why they continue to stay immature is because they want to do their own thing. They want to not follow direction. They want to put their plans above God's plans. And at the end of the day, what Paul says to the Roman church is, hey, if you're led by the Spirit of God, you're truly a son of God. Verse 15 says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into, the fear, back into fear, but you've received, listen to this, the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So he differentiates the spirits. He said, hey, the Spirit of God is not a spirit of fear. Um, it's not a spirit of of religiosity, but it's a spirit of adoption. And what it, what it says here is you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we can cry, Abba, Father. Now, if you're of a certain age, when I say Abba, you might think of um, a mediocre band, and I might have just offended you with that statement. You might be thinking right now, humming a dancing queen to yourself. Uh, <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is not in my notes, by the way. Uh, does anybody remember the, the uh, presidential election? Uh, and it was John McCain was running against Barack Obama. And in an interview, they were interviewing the two candidates and they asked them their favorite songs and Obama responded and it was like a Jay-Z song. I don't remember which song. And then they asked John McCain his favorite song. And remember, John McCain was like, he was a, a prisoner of war. He was like in the Hanoi Hilton. I mean, like, tortured by the Vietnamese, and they asked him his favorite song, and he said, I, I mean this, this is what he said, uh, Dancing Queen by ABBA, and I thought right then, there's no way you're ever going to get elected, like, you just, 
you just undermined all those years you spent as a prisoner of war with that statement. Um, and anyway, uh, so, so when we think of Abba, sometimes we think of this band, and, and really what this is, it's an Aramaic word, and it's uh, translated loosely as daddy. And it's supposed to be a term of affection, a term of endearment, a term of intimacy. Because sometimes when we look at God, we look at God as formal and stodgy and he's far off and he loves us, but kind of loves us in a distant kind of way. Uh, but what Paul's trying to help the church understand is that, um, is that our God is a near God, our God is an intimate God, and he's a God that, that we don't have to call father, we can call him dad. Um, I know for me, I don't call my dad father. I call him dad or daddy or I've got, I, I have weird, I, have, I don't know where I came up with this. I have a nickname for him, Potted, that I'll call him Potted sometimes. I don't know. Uh, but it's, it's a term of affection. It's a term of endearment. It's something I call my dad. And so what Paul's trying to help the church understand is there's a nearness and an intimacy that comes with being a child that we can call him daddy or dad or, or paw dad or whatever the case may be. And it comes from the spirit of adoption. We've been adopted by God, and because we've been adopted, we can cry out, Abba, Father, is what it says. Now, if you're anything like me, when, when I was a kid, I used to think that a biological child was superior than a adopted child. And the reason I thought that was because when I was younger, uh, I'm, the, I'm the baby, I've got an older sister, and my older sister would have this conversation with me from time to time. She would say, hey, brother, I need, I need to tell you something. And mom and dad don't want you to know this, they haven't shared this with you yet, but I, I just feel bad that you don't know this and I need to tell you. I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're adopted. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah, you are. Who else in our family has blonde hair? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Who else has green eyes? Nobody. <laughs> adopted. And I would get worked up and I'd get upset and uh, she would calm me down before I went to tell mom and dad because that was the ultimate trump card, right? And uh, I would get so upset because I didn't want to be adopted. I want this to be my family, right? And we have this, this disconnect in our culture that if you're adopted, it's, it's somehow you're loved, but maybe you're not loved the same way that a that a biological child is. And so when we think about being adopted into the family of God, it's easy for us to go, hey, at least I'm not going to hell. I'm not, I'm not an actual child of God. I'm an adopted child, but I'm not going to hell. So that's good, right? Like that's a net win. But this is what, what Paul says, because Paul, um, he, he uses the word adoption five times. It's only used five times in scripture, and Paul uses it every single time. And the Greek word for adoption is huiosathia. And I don't have a reason for telling you that other than I just like saying Sophia. I just think it's fun. Uh, but he uses it five times. And, and this, is what, this is what I love about Paul. Because Paul, he was Jewish, but he was Roman in citizenship. So he understood Jewish culture, he understood Roman culture. And in Jewish culture, there was no need for adoption because of the way the families were structured and the way religious, uh, the way the Jewish law was structured, that when it came to inheritances, um, if, if I passed away, what I owned would go to my next of kin automatically. So there was no need for me to say who it would go to. In Roman culture, it was very different though. In Roman culture, I had to have an heir because if I didn't, 
uh, then the state largely would get what I had. Um, and so I had to have an heir that would carry on my name, that would take care of the family, that would uphold our values, all these kind of things. It was important in Roman culture. In Roman culture, the family dynamic was different as well. So in Roman culture, I could disown my child for virtually any reason. So if I felt like my child wasn't the right stock, if I felt like my child wasn't a good enough leader, if I felt like my child, uh, the genes weren't quite right to get the best possible grandchildren or heirs down the line, I could disown my child at a moment's notice. So in Roman families, there was a, a lot of insecurity because just because you were born into a family didn't mean it was permanent. Some of you have families that, um, that maybe have not treated you very well. Maybe they haven't loved you very well. And what Paul is trying to do is help us see that, that God loves us in a way that's different than what we had seen before. And what he's trying to help us understand is that adoption isn't a bad thing, it's actually a good thing. See, in, in Roman culture, if you were adopted, um, it, it meant two things. It meant, number one, that you were chosen freely and that you were desired by your parents. And number two, it meant that as a, as a child, you were a permanent part of that family and you could not be disowned. So if you were born into a family, you could be disowned, but if you were adopted into a family, you were permanent. There was no way you'd be disowned. A uh, couple other things when it came to adoption in, in Roman culture. Ado adopted children would receive a new identity, so they'd get a new name. Their old name was gone and their new name is what was resident. Uh, they had new rights, and this was associated with their new family. They had new responsibilities, and those responsibilities uh, were related to taking care of and helping manage family affairs. But they also had an inheritance. Now, in our culture, when we think of inheritance, we think of something we get when someone dies. And we don't want to do that with anybody we love, but we think about like, hey, if I had a rich uncle that I never knew of, that he died and I got an inheritance, that'd be okay, right? Like, we think that's a little bit callous and we wouldn't want to like joke about that, but let's be honest. Haven't we all kind of thought about, well, maybe that'll happen, that's how I retire someday. Um, because if it's far off, it's no big deal. But that's what we think of when it's an inheritance. And in Roman culture, it was different because uh, as soon as you were adopted into a family, you had access to your inheritance. Because they believed uh, inheritance isn't just for when I, when I die, but you are part of this family, so you have access to the inheritance right now. Not only access to pull from, but to invest in too. There was this understanding that you are investing in your own inheritance. So there's a responsibility that they had um, to take care of, to steward well. See, if you were adopted into a family, all your prior commitments, all your prior responsibilities, all your prior debt were erased. Some of you wish you could be adopted right now, don't you? <laughs> You're like, man... MasterCard, ugh, right? My school loans, ugh, I wish I could be adopted. And what Paul was doing when he talked about adoption is he wasn't trying to diminish the, the beauty of being a child of God. Rather, he was really trying to help us understand the, the depth and the permanence of God's love for us, his fatherhood for us, the significance of that was so much more than, than what they could understand in Roman culture. So when he talks to us about being adopted, what he's trying to do is remind us that we're fully desired, that we're fully loved, that we're fully accepted. He's trying to remind us that we've taken on a new identity through Christ Jesus, that we were created for heaven, but even now as heirs to God and co-heirs with Christ, we have access to our inheritance. So 
Someday when we get to heaven, it's going to be really great. But did you know Jesus said, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly? And I truly believe what Jesus was talking about is us walking in our our sonship or daughtership of God that we've been adopted in, and now we can carry that with us, that that we can have access as heirs and co-heirs with Christ to the glory of God. And we don't have to wait till we get to heaven, but we can bring heaven to earth now if we understand that we've been adopted into the body of Christ. Does that make sense to anybody? But if we're going to be honest, so many of us are just happy going to church. Well, we'll go to church and we'll sing some songs and that will make us laugh a little bit and it'll be nice and we'll go home. We weren't made for that. We were made to embrace our identity as children of God, to carry the glory of God wherever we go, to impact our community, impact our world, to make a difference where we're at so that God could be glorified. And this is what we have to understand. It's only through Jesus that we are brought into full sonship or daughtership, that we understand who we really are in him. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, same verses I just read to you. I want to read them to you again, but I want to read them from the Passion Translation. This is what it says. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. People that, that, that flow with the Holy Spirit in the direction of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you have received, listen to this, the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. The spirit of full acceptance. I, I, I want you to catch this. Because some of you, you, you've got a spirit of rejection on your life. That maybe you're rejected by a family member or a friend. You were rejected by someone that, that you, you wanted to pursue a romantic relationship with. Maybe it was somebody, maybe it was a coach whatever it is, but you've got a spirit of rejection on your life that it covers you like a cloud. And I'm telling you today, I want you to hear this as a son or daughter of God. If you've accepted Christ as your savior, if you've been adopted into the family of God, what we have to understand is that the spirit of full acceptance rests on us. Not the acceptance, this cheap acceptance we can get from our community or our world or by our peers. It's the acceptance that comes from the God of the universe. The spirit of a full acceptance. And this is what it says. And you will never feel orphaned. You're never going to feel abandoned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost beings, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs to God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him and uh, provided that we accept his suffering as our own. So it reinforces this fact that we're co-heirs with Christ. We have access to that which Christ has access to. If Jesus lived physically in the world we live in today, would anybody be surprised that he healed brokenhearted people, that he mended people's hearts, that he raised the lame, that he brought sight to blind eyes? Nobody would be surprised by that. That's what Jesus does. But what we see here in Scripture is we as children of God have access to all that Jesus has access to. That just freaked some of you out a little bit. That, that his inheritance is our inheritance because we are co-heirs. 
Let me move on. Let me read a little further now in this verse, in this, in this passage. Verse 19 says this. Listen, I love this. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. I want to stop there for a second. Um, when my girls were little, they're not as little anymore, and they don't have to tiptoe as much, but when they were little, they would get up on tiptoes. And usually they'd get up on tiptoes because they were anticipating something. They were looking for something. They were trying to find something. And so we would go to a hospital to see somebody who just had a baby, and they would get to the nursery, and, and they would what? They would get up on their tiptoes because they want to see over. They were anticipating seeing this baby. Or we'd go to the ice cream store, and we'd be standing there in line, and, and they'd be tiptoe trying to see because they were anticipating what, what, what the counter held, what kind of flavor can I get, right? Because they're their daddy's daughters. They understood ice cream's important here. And so, so they would tiptoe. They were craning their necks. They were, they were waiting. They were wanting to see what was going to happen. And I love this because what Paul is saying to the Roman church is the entire universe, all of creation is standing on tiptoe. Creation is anticipating, it's longing for, it's looking for the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. Verse 20 says, for against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. So let me pause there. A few weeks ago, uh, we talked about why do bad things happen to good people. And one of the things we talked about was the world we live in today is the fractured, broken version of God's, uh, God's best. So what we see and what we experience is not God's best for us on planet Earth. Um, so the most beautiful things you've seen and experienced, it's the broken version. So I've had the opportunity to see the Grand Canyon at sunset. I've been in the Rocky Mountains. Um, some of you have been to um, the national parks or forests or beautiful sites. You've been to the Caribbean. You've been to whatever it might be. Um, the, the moment when you met your child for the first time, that moment, it was a God moment, but that was still, that's still the broken version, right? This this is broken because when centered into the world, it fractured creation. It broke what God had originally intended. And as a result, everything is touched or marked or, or, or imprisoned, as we see in this passage, by that sin that entered the world. All of creation is affected by that. So it says, that for against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now... With eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. I want to walk through this with you because what it's saying is this. Um, the first part of this is we read it. We are, we are the children of God. If we have made Jesus Lord of our life, if we accepted him as the sacrifice for our sin, we're adopted into the family of God. So we've been accepted. The full spirit of acceptance rests on us as sons and daughters of God. Um, we, have, we have full love, full acceptance. Our God desires us to be in his family, and uh, we are co-heirs with Christ. So we don't have to wait someday for our inheritance, but we have an inheritance now. And we can carry what we see here is we are vessels of God's glory. So we carry his glory everywhere we go. But, but I want you to catch this last part. It says... With eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. So what Paul, Paul is saying is creation is longing, it's anticipating, it's looking for the sons and daughters of God to be manifest on planet Earth. 
for us to begin to walk in our identity as a son and daughter of God, to carry the glory of God with us, to carry the freedom that God gives us with us. Because if we understand who we are, that I'm truly a son of God, and I, I carry that glory with me, not my glory, but God's glory, if I carry that with me, it should make a difference in the world we live in. Creation knows this, and it's anticipating us manifesting, becoming who God called us to be, so that creation can experience freedom. So I want you to understand this. The freedom that God has for us is not just for us. It's for our community and for our world. It's for broken creation. It is longing for people who call themselves Christians to begin living like we're the sons and daughters of God. Because when we do, it's going to bring freedom to the world we live in today. Uh, there's a passage I want to share with you. Uh, it's Jeremiah 29. In Jeremiah 29, uh, setting the stage here, the, the so story for you, basically what's happening is um, the nation of Israel, it's been broken up. Um, Israel has is, is been scattered. The nation of Judah has been taken into captivity in Babylon and they don't like it very much, okay? They're exiles in Babylon. Uh, they're uncomfortable, they're unhappy, they're basically slaves, and they long to go home because home, it's comfortable, it's what they know, it's, it's all these things. And so they've cried out to God, and this is, this is what we see in Jeremiah 29, verse four, it says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. I wanna stop there. Did you see what he said? To all the exiles that I have sent into exile, he didn't say that all the exiles that the Babylonians took. He said, the place you're in is because I sent you there. Okay, I'll come back to that in a second. This is what he says. He says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Now I'll stop there. Now, this is... This is what God says. The people say, God, we don't like this. Get us out of this mess. We're uncomfortable. We're unhappy. This is painful. It's difficult. We just want to go home. We're your people. God, take us home. Seems reasonable, right? Because if we're going to be honest, we pray that prayer all the time. I'm uncomfortable. I'm unhappy. This hurts. This is difficult. This is painful. Get me out of this situation. Okay? And God's response is what? You're right. I'll send you home now. No, do you know what he says? He says, I got bad news for you, people. I sent you there, and you're gonna be there a while. In fact, you're gonna be there so long, you need to get out of that tent, go ahead and build a house. You know what? Stop going through the drive-thru. You need to go ahead and plant a garden. And you got plenty of time, so you'll be able to plant that garden over and over and over. In fact, go ahead and get married and have some kids. And you know what? When they get up and get older, go ahead and let them have some kids as well. You're going to have grandkids in exile. I just want you to know that. That's how long you're going to be where I have sent you. Doesn't that encourage you today? Doesn't that bless you? You're like, yes, Lord. That's what I needed to hear. I'm in this exiled job. Yes, Lord. I'm going to have grandkids in this, right? See, some of you feel like you're exiled, but I think maybe you were sent. Because I think what God understood is, I want to influence a culture for my glory that is never going to be influenced unless I send my people there. So I'm going to send my people to a culture that makes them uncomfortable, and it's painful, and it's difficult, and it uh, makes them unhappy, but I'm going to send them there so they can influence a culture that would never otherwise be influenced. 
Some of you hate this message so much right now because you want to quit your jobs, and now you're here, and maybe I was sent to this job. So, so God says, hey, just stay where you're at because you're going to be there a while. And this is what he says in verse 7. He says this, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. God basically says, you're so focused on yourself that you don't understand why I've sent you to where I've sent you. I've sent you there to bring welfare to the city. And, I, and I'm, I'm reading into this a little bit. It's almost like he's saying, you're not even praying for these people that I've sent you to. So, so pray for them. Pray for their welfare and seek their welfare because in their welfare, you will find your welfare. This word welfare here, it's one we've talked about before. It's interpreted differently here. Um, but the standard interpretation for this word, the word is, is shalom, and the standard interpretation is peace. And it can be interpreted as welfare, but if you look at it broadly, um, it means wholeness or completeness, especially in terms of like numeric. So it means you're not lacking anything. So if, if, if you got sent to the grocery store to get, you know, four lemons and you only come back with two lemons, your wife would be like, why did you only get two lemons? I told you I needed four. The recipe will be incomplete. It's not going to be right because you didn't right, get the right number. And so this idea is that um, this word welfare or shalom means complete or whole or or stable is another way it can be interpreted. Um, it, could also, um, it could also be called sound. Uh, have you guys ever played the game uh, Jenga before? It's got the tower of blocks, and you pull the blocks out, and you're trying to stack it. And the more blocks you pull out, the more unstable it is. No? Nobody's ever played that game? Okay, you have. Okay, good. Uh, so basically, the idea is this, that some of us are unstable in our lives, that our lives are precarious, it's, it's, it may tumble over at any point, that's how we feel about it, but when there's a spirit of welfare on us, when there's a spirit of shalom on us, it's sound, it's secure, it's safe, and that's what God is talking about here when, when he speaks through Paul and says, hey, seek, or when he speaks to his people and says, hey, seek the welfare of the city and in the, its welfare, you'll find your welfare. What, what God is saying to the people of Israel is, hey, build homes, get secure here, and you need to help these people become secure. And remember I said earlier, one of the ways you can interpret this word is complete, lacking nothing, shalom. So again, think about it in this way. Um, those people were broken because of sin that had entered the world. And, and one of the nation of Israel's jobs was to help bring completeness and restoration to the nation of Babylon. And in doing so, the nation of Israel would find their welfare in themselves as well. And, and this is what I'm telling you today. The world we live in is a broken world. And God has sent us here. He hasn't exiled us here. He has sent us here for a people, for a culture that desperately needs the glory of God. And if we will manifest the glory of God, if we will just be the sons and daughters of God, his purpose for us is to invade our culture and to help repair the brokenness that is evident and present because of sin, that we will go into the world World and restore brokenness and heal brokenness and put broken pieces back together. And as we do that, the glory of God is manifest in our world. But too many times we don't do that because we're too busy trying to fix our own brokenness. And what God is telling us is, hey, if you will concern yourself with the welfare of your community, I will concern myself with your welfare. 
If, if you try to heal the brokenness around you, let my spirit do that, I'm going to bring healing to the brokenness within you. Um, there's lots of ways that we could do this. This feels kind of vague, but I want to put some handles on this for you. Hope you understand this a little better. Um, as, as my wife and I had been talking about, man, what do we do as a church to really impact our community and really make a difference? Because the things we do are fine. Don't get me wrong. I love that we do our, our, our police outreach. I love our police uh, officers locally, and, and these guys are doing a great job, and we want to support them. I love our school teachers, and we support our school teachers. Uh, when we do our reach projects, all these things are really important. Um, but at the end of the day, there are, there are glaring needs in our community that no one seems to be addressing. And, and how can we help with those needs? And my wife uh, got connected with a woman that I'm going to introduce you to in just a moment. As my wife began telling me about some of the situations and some of the things, our heart just became burdened for th- this particular issue. And so I want to introduce it to you. I want to talk to you about it today. Um, and so I want to introduce to you uh, from Child and Youth Services, Sarah Ross. Please welcome her to the stage. Hey, Sarah. Hi. Thanks so much. Come on, up here, up front. It's good to see you. Thank you for being here. She's not moving. Here, wait, let me do this. There. There, that's better. Now you're in front of the table. It's good to see you. So um, for those of you that don't, uh, those that don't know what CYS is or Child and Youth Services, tell us about what you guys do, what you're all about. So we are responsible for the investigation of child abuse claims in the county. We get about 2,500 unique claims every year, and so we investigate those, and our job is to keep children in their own homes. And when we can't do that, um, we are responsible for removing the children and finding a substitute placement, a foster placement for their upbringing. So how many kids do you currently have, or, or do you normally have in, uh, in your care, in foster care at any given time? So an average range is anywhere from 75 to 90, and that changes every day. Um, okay. We have kids coming into our care, we have kids returning to their parents, we have kids being adopted. So today I have 83, and that's kind of an average. Okay. Um, and that's just Indiana County, though? Yes. Okay. So about 90 kids at any given time that are in your care. Um, and how many homes do you have? How many, how many households do you have for those, for those 90 kids? When I came into the SHEAS conference, we had about 30. Um, so today we're five weeks out, and we have about 35. And we do have, we have a lot of applications out as well. That's so great. we're getting better, but there's still a really big deficit. We're, yeah, we're closing the gap, but there's still a bunch of kids who don't have a home to go to. So the kids that don't have a home, the gap between the homes you have and the number of kids you have, what do you do with those kids? So sometimes we can work with private agencies to, mm-hmm. to put them in privately licensed home. It's, it's obviously not the best case scenario for these kids. We're talking about secular for-profit agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we don't have that option, we put them in group homes, which is kind of just a, a new, fancier way to say orphanage. Um, are there group homes in our region or in our county or in our area, or where, do the, where are the group homes at? We don't have any here in Indiana, so when we have a child that's difficult to place, we're typically at least an hour away, sometimes a lot more. So for kids like that um, that have to go to a group home, they're, they're pulled out of their home, and they're taken an hour away. So what are the implications there? What is that, how, how does that impact that child? 
So the child's already having a hard time in their home life, and then what happens is when we remove them, they're removed from their entire community. They no longer have access to their friends, they no longer have access to their school. These group homes, what they do is their school is on grounds, so the child is removed from basically their entire support system. Um, how long, and I know it's different for every child, for some it's just maybe just a couple days and for some it's much longer, but, but how long might a kid be in your custody? So a lot of times when we remove children, um, they can be in our custody only for a couple of days. And what we're doing is we're putting them in foster care while we locate family. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's a grandma somewhere or an aunt or an uncle somewhere, that's appropriate. We're, we're um, seeing their home and looking at their background, making sure they're okay to take these kids. So sometimes we're talking a couple of days. Other times we'll take children into our custody and a year, a year and a half later, we know that they're not going to be able to return home, so they're adopted. Mm -hmm. And then kind of on the extreme range, what we have is we do have some, some older kids who we have never been able to find a home for. We have not been successful. So, you know, just as an example, I have a boy, he's been in our custody for nine years. Um, and he's lived all over the East Coast and, and from Boston to Virginia in various group homes. You, you were telling me um, one of the challenges is when you bring a child in and... Um, and then you start making phone calls, and if those phone calls aren't answered, um, you know, or, or you can't find a home, um, the, you know how that impacts the child. Because you had said if they were older, they understand you're making these phone calls, and they're hearing you make phone calls, and they know, hey, nobody wants me. Right. Um, and and how prevalent is that feeling among a lot of the kids that you guys deal with? It's very prevalent because what happens is when we remove a child from the home, they, they come sit in our office. Um, and our office is not, it's not a place for kids. We have a playroom, but um, it's very sterile. And what happens is the kids sit there and wait while we try to find someone appropriate to take them. So when I have 30, 35 foster homes and they're full, um, you know, we can spend a couple hours on the phone trying to find somebody. There was a time with an infant um, that I called a friend of mine and said, do you want to get an emergency license? Because this baby's screaming in my office. Mm -hmm. And it worked out, um, but it doesn't always work out. Yeah. Um, so if there are people here today or watching online that, that maybe the Holy Spirit's pulling on their hearts a little bit, and they feel like, maybe I might want to be involved somehow. What are some ways that people could be involved in helping um, bring healing to the brokenness in this area? So the most important need that we have is we need, um, we need people. We need homes, foster homes, adoptive homes. Mm -hmm. We need people that are willing to take a child into their lives, um, to, to love them and show them how great a family can be. Mm -hmm. um, we also need people that are willing to do kind of some relationship building. We have kids that aren't ready to go to a home that, um, you know, they may, be, they may be very damaged, they may be very afraid. And so some relationship building with those yeah. kids, just investing time in them yeah. is really valuable. Um, we also talked about like respite care that people, there are times that maybe Maybe some of the people in this room say, man, I don't know if I'm really, really ready to share 
long term, like my life with a child, but I might be able to give a couple nights, or I might be able to, you know, give some relief to someone else, or I might be able to be an emergency home. If you couldn't place somebody, they could come with me for a day or two, and you know, and get placed. Um, and, that, and that's a very real option for people as well. Is that right? It's a really, really great way to kind of get your feet wet in the foster mm -hmm. system because you can be introduced to these kids, you can get more information, and it's a shorter commitment. Mm -hmm. So what we're talking about is um, maybe we have a foster family that needs to fly out of state for a funeral and the kids need somewhere to go for a day. Yeah. Or um, maybe we have you know, a business trip that we need to, to put kids somewhere for a day where their, their foster parents can't help them. Or even sometimes... Um, Foster parents just need a break, just mm -hmm. a little bit of a break um, so they can kind of refresh. And it's nice to have a place where, you know, you know the kids are safe that they can go. Yeah. Um, so beyond what we're just talking about as far as becoming a foster parent, what are some other things we can be doing as a church or as individuals in the church to, to help and come alongside you guys? So Summit does do a, a lot of work with the agency. Um, they host our Christmas party, which is amazing. You know, we'll have 90 kids running around, and all of them get really, really nice gifts from Summit. And sometimes the, the you know, the congregation will come and hang out with us during the party. That's always beneficial. Um, Summit's also done a really good job of being supportive to my staff. Um, my staff is overworked and underpaid and underappreciated, and so those things um, may not seem like much, but they're incredibly helpful. Yeah. Um, I know you had mentioned um, if people are interested in finding out more or maybe taking the next step, um, tell us about that. I know you said you have a meeting on Thursday. Tell us about that. So the second Thursday of every month, we do um, just information and training. It's at our office at 6 o'clock, so it'll be coming up this Thursday. And we encourage anybody that has an interest to either come to the training or call me. Just call me so we can talk about it more. Their offices are at 300 Indian Springs Road. It's uh, the building across from the um, drive-in movie theater, uh, just down Indian Springs at 6 o'clock. Sarah's also going to be available out in the lobby when we finish here. So if you've got questions about any of this, um, we would love for you to have a conversation with her. Just talk to her and take the next step. So, uh, Sarah, thank you so much. We appreciate thank it. You. Can we give her a round of applause and say thank you? James 1, 27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Um, one of the things we do as believers that, that shows that we are believers is that we love those that are marginalized, those that are forgotten about, those that are abandoned in the world we live in today, including orphans. 1 John 3, 17 and 18 from the Passion Translation says, if anyone sees a fellow believer in need and has the means to help, yet shows no pity and closes his heart against him, how is it even possible that God's love lives in him? Beloved children, our love can't be an abstract theory we only talk about, but a way of life demonstrated through our loving deeds. The, the, the love of God that we talk about can't just be something we talk about. It has to be something that's demonstrated in our lives. It has to be something that, that we take on as a mantle, as a child of God, and say, I'm going to carry the love of God, the glory of God, the, the, the freedom of God with me everywhere I go so that it impacts our community, impacts our world. I'm going to seek the welfare of our community so that God will bring welfare to my life as well. 
Last verse I'll share with you is just one we read earlier. It's Romans 8, 19 through 21. It says the entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe itself has been, had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. So this is what I want you to do today. Some of you are thinking, Mel is going to make us all sign up to become foster parents. That's not what I'm going to do. Um, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to, I want every person here, if you consider yourself a believer, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, I want you to commit to me today that you will at least pray about becoming a foster parent. Uh, I'm not asking you to make a decision to become one, to say you're going to do it, but, but I'm going to ask you to pray about it. And some of you are going, but Mel, you don't understand. It's difficult. It's hard. It's painful. It's going to cost me something. It's going to be inconvenient. And this is what I would say to you. You might feel like you've been exiled to that, but maybe you're not being exiled. Maybe you're being sent. Maybe God's asking you to do something to impact a culture, to impact a child who would never, never otherwise be impacted to change their destiny because maybe they would never, never otherwise be impacted and changed. So I want you to pray about becoming a foster parent. Um, if you pray about that sincerely and ask God, I believe he'll speak to you. And if God speaks to you and says, yes, take that step, then I want you to be obedient to take the step. But this is what I will also want you to do. If you pray about it and you don't feel that God's asking you to take that step, don't take the step. Do not go become a foster parent because you heard a message today that inspired you or a message today that made you feel guilty or a message today that stirred up something emotional. I want you to do it because God's asked you to do it. And if God hasn't asked you to do it, don't. Because what they, what they don't need are a bunch of foster parents that are mediocre. They need people that are all in for these kids. So I want you to pray about that. If, if you say, nope, I'm not supposed to give my life as a foster parent, then, then maybe God's asking you to, to say, hey, but I can offer respite care. I can offer, I can be an emergency home for somebody for a day or two, or I can relieve a foster parent. Maybe you could do that. I want you to pray about it um, because it's a lower commitment level, but it's also very necessary. It's a way you can help these people. It's a way that you can bring healing to brokenness. So, so pray about that. And maybe you're here and you're not ready to make either one of those commitments. Last weekend, some friends of ours were here and they're, they're starting a camp in Armstrong County for kids who have been the victims of abuse or neglect and they're foster kids. And they've got a camp that we would love for you to be a part of. So if you feel a heart for this, but you're not sure you're quite ready to make that commitment, then I would encourage you, um, stop by the info center. We've got some brochures. We've got some cards for Royal Family Kids Camp. Pick that information up and get connected with that. That's a, that's a week of your life you could give to helping mend brokenness. And this is the last thing I would say. You don't have to pray about this one. Um, if you feel stirred up at all today, go to the meeting Thursday night. Thursday night, 6 p.m., the CYS office over on Indian Springs Road. Uh, it, it won't take a lot of your time, but it's gonna help either confirm or show, confirm one way or the other whether you're supposed to be a part of this or not. So I just wanna encourage you to do this. Maybe you're here today and you say, Mel, this is great and I get it, but the truth is, I don't know that I've ever been adopted into the family of God because this is what it all begins with is being a child of God. And if you're here today and you go, I'm not really sure I am a child of God. 
And I just want to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to him, to be adopted into the family, to experience the full acceptance and the full love that God offers to us, to know that we can never be abandoned, we can never be disowned. We are his, we're permanent. And I want to give you that chance. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes all over this room. Dear God, I love you, and I'm so grateful today that you love us, that you've picked us, that you've selected us, that you desire us to be part of your family. And God, I thank you for those that have made that decision, that they've surrendered their lives to you, that they are part of your family. God, I pray today you would speak to each of our hearts about the direction we should take in regards to this topic, God. Help us to see clearly the steps you'd have us to take. And then God, help us be obedient enough to take those steps, to hear your voice and respond to what you're asking us to do. God, I pray for those that are here that don't know you, that aren't in a relationship with you, that have never been adopted into your family. Lord, I pray that today would be the day they'd surrender their lives, that they would experience full acceptance, the full spirit of acceptance today. Let us walk in that today. And I pray, Heavenly Father, as your children, that we would bring freedom to the world in which we live, that we would bring change to our culture, that we would bring healing to brokenness, that we would restore things that were broken in the fall, God. I pray that you would use us to carry your glory and carry your healing and carry your, your security into this world. So God, let us be those vessels. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you say to me, Mel, you know what? I'm not a follower of Christ. I'm not a child of God, but I know I wanna be. I wanna be adopted into that family today. I'm not gonna embarrass you or bring you forward. I'm just gonna pray with you where you are. So if that's you and you say, today's my day, I wanna surrender my life to God, would, would you be bold enough just to slip your hand up real high where I can see it and you can put it right back down? Yeah, thank you. I see you on my left. Put your hand down. Who else? Yeah, over here on my right. Thank you. Yeah, up in the balcony. I see you. Thank you. Praise God. Who else would join these and say, pray for me, Mel. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. I want to become adopted into the family of God. All right. I want every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, to pray this prayer with me. Say this out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for giving your life to pay the ransom for my sin. From this day forward, my life belongs to you. I'm adopted into the family of God. And from now on, I will be your child. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God glory, can we? Now listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, the scripture tells us it's your new creation today, that the old is gone and the new has come. That if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, you will be saved. And that's you today. You've been adopted into the family of God. You cannot be disowned. So I want you to know we're proud of you. We're excited for you. And we want to help you take the next step. So if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I would love for you to take the next step by simply filling out the card that's in the seat back in front of you. On one side, it says need prayer. and the other side, it says salvation. If you can't reach that card or, or you can't get to one, uh, simply stop by our information center when we finish up here today and you can fill that card out, give it to them, and they're gonna give you a free Bible. It's just our way of blessing you. So if you fill out the card, stop by our info center and we would love to bless you with a gift. Just our way of saying thank you. We're excited for you. We would love to get you connected with Starting Point. It's a group that meets on Wednesday nights. It is for people that are new to their faith or returning to their faith. It's led by our associate pastor, Dick Monson. He does a great job with that. And we'd love to get you connected there. We've got resources for you though. So again, thank you for that. If you're watching online, you'd like to respond, simply text the word salvation to the number 555-888. When you do that, we'll respond back to you. 
and help you take the next step in your faith journey. No matter where you're at, whether you're here in Indiana or somewhere around the world, we'll help you find a church in your area to connect with and begin to grow in your faith. Here's what's gonna happen now. Our worship team's gonna lead us in one more song. We're gonna worship our good God together. And while we're praying and singing, our prayer team's gonna be on either side of the stage. And they're gonna be here to, to meet with you, to pray with you about whatever needs you may have in your life. So if you have a need at all, Step out as we begin to sing. Find one of our prayer team members, let them agree with you in prayer. And then in just a moment, when we're done singing, Steph McCoy is our missions and outreach director. She's gonna come and she'll close us out and dismiss us. And uh, by the way, it's her birthday today. So make sure you tell her you love her at some point when you see her. Stand your feet all over the room. Let's worship God together one more time before we go. Guys, I tell you often, I hope you know it. I love you more than you know. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you guys. Have a great week.